0: everybody, Brian here from Franchise Simply, Staying Calm Amidst the Chaos, that's today's title and I'm delighted to have secured a bit of time with one of, I believe, Australia's, if not the world's key experts in mindset and potential, Paul Blackburn. Paul's got an amazing background in this area, having worked with Olympic athletes, organisations like Qantas, VHP and so on. So without me going on there, I'll say welcome to Paul. Hello, Paul Blackburn. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Oh, excellent, thank you very much indeed. And we're pivoting here, um, but looking to you to give some advice to some of our members and ourselves from time to time about how to stay calm amongst this chaos, which is, is there. We're all experiencing it one form or another at some time of the day or other. So uh, I'd lean over to you. What would you like to, to suggest?
1: How well, do you approach it. I think what we have to do is we kind of have to step back and make sure we get out of reacting. So, you know, there's two choices whenever we... Whatever we're doing, whether we're in crisis or not. And, and the first is we'll react to what's going on, which means we have an instant kind of, you know, um, shoot now and ask questions later kind of thing. Or we can respond, which is to kind of pull back and think a little bit about and say, well, what would be the best move for us? Because quite often when we shoot now... Um, and ask questions later, we end up shooting ourselves in the foot. And, um, you know, inevitably we invest a lot of, uh, well, some money, but we invest a lot of emotional capital in, you know, that first couple of shots of reaction thing. So my first thing to everybody, crisis or not actually, is – get out of reaction because when you're in reaction, then you're out of control because you're, you're just letting your impulses um, lead things instead of your considered intelligence. And, you know, we've all got, you know, everyone on this call or listening to this has got years and years of experience we can lean on um, to, um, to be in reaction is to forget those years of experience and just figure that we can, we can kind of pull out a solution overnight and, um, and, by the way, that have that be a winner, um, which quite often it's not uh, simply because it was you know too quick and too reactive, so that 's where I see things coming undone for everybody is that apparently and i don 't know if this is true or not, but apparently seventy five percent of people are um, complying with the laws and you know doing the lockdown thing apparently there's about twenty five percent of the population who just can 't do that. They they either don't have the emotional maturity, they don't have the um, the patience to kind of sit still or be you know out of action for a while. Pardon me. Um, and so really, um, if you look at the times and struggles that we're having, you know, you look at punch ups in the supermarkets, and you know, pension is being pushed to the ground, and all sorts of very ugly, un-Australian kind of things. To, from my observation, it's those people who are in panic, who are in reaction, who are who are acting in that way. Um, the the big problem is that panic is obviously propelled by fear, and fear is something that most people just don't really have a grip on. You know, we're not taught how to cope with fear. Um, our culture, you know, and I don't mean Australian culture. I mean the Western world in general. Um, are taught that you must make fear go away. And that if you, if you give in to fear, you are weak. And so, you know, we're taught to, you know, um, face our fears and for some strange reason, if we face our fears, the fears will suddenly realize that we're serious and they'll get scared of us and the fears will run away and we'll be forever safe. And it's just, you know, there's nothing like that actual experience. So what's happened is that, you know, if you look at, I think Australia's had a triple whammy. I think we've had, you know, a six or seven year drought followed by massive bushfires that did untold amounts of damage, followed by the floods, followed by the coronavirus. Um, if you look at the bushfire brigade people, the volunteer bushfire brigade people, um, the SES people who are everywhere in the floods, what you see is Australians acting out of compassion, dumping, dumping their own thing to go and help other people who needed help um it's a very australian concept i'm not saying it doesn't happen in other places in the world but as as aussies we're familiar with it and so um what's happened now is that the fear has gone through the roof and now instead of compassion being the driver fear is a driver and fear unfortunately makes a pretty high percentage of people behave badly and um When people behave badly, um, they recognize it, but they have to justify it. So, you know, people who are hoarding stuff that um, effectively is taking it away from other Australians um, are effectively stealing. um, But if you told them that, they'd punch you in the face because you were calling them a thief because for them, their motivation is they've got to feed their family and they don't know what's going to happen. So of all of the fears that you could have, the one that's gonna create the most damage is the fear of the unknown. And that unfortunately is the one that um, is brought to the surface that, you know, there are a number of fears that affect people, Uh, but the one that affects the largest number of people in the biggest and the most powerful kind of a way is the fear of the unknown. And that's what's propelling what we see is basically bad behavior by a small percentage but a big enough percentage to be worrying or concerning. Does that does that make sense,
0: Brian? Oh, absolutely, I think we all witness it. And uh, I suppose what I'm interested in, particularly in our conversation, is where all of us do experience elements of this, and it's having us a, a rock steady. I'm lucky, I've got my partner, Prue, and we, we're we having sessions together and we talk some of this through. But without that, on my own, I, I think I would, I've been in a less comfortable place than I am now. And I think a lot of people like that um
1: yeah the,
0: so, so, so the, yes it, it, it makes absolute sense it's, it's not knowing what to do or how to handle it or what the heck's going to happen in the next 30 60 90 120 days
1: yes and um the, the, uh, imagine is a funny thing you know could, oh, sorry imagination um you know, we we build our businesses, and I presume I'm talking to business people predominantly now. Um, we build our businesses on our imagination. We imagine that we could get enough customers. We imagine that they see the value in what we do. We imagine that they're happy to pay the money. And if all of that imagining comes true, then we've got what we call a viable business. And obviously, that propels the culture. You know, 90% of people in Australia who got a job... Work in a corporation that has less than 10 employees. so obviously the engine of our economy is people in the group that we're probably talking to today. So that that business is built on a dream basically it's kind of like' we'll bugger it let's have a go kind of thing. We'll spend our time and our money we'll invest in ourselves and the resources that we need you know people like you for example uh, and, and and have a go. What what happens is that when we can't imagine the future, then uh, we tend to m- imagine the negative. So in the fear of the unknown, in terms of what's going to happen next, um, in one way you can handle that. When I stopped being a school teacher many years ago, a friend of mine said to me in the quadrangle, and another school teacher said, "How can you handle not knowing what's going to happen next year?" He was talking about the fact that I was not going to have a predictable income, and um, I don't know what put the words in my mouth, but I I end up saying to him, how can you handle knowing what is going to happen next year? So (laughs) I think that's the difference in business people and regular people. And I don't Mm -hmm. don't want to say regular people are not not the backbone of Australia either. Um, But if you have a bias towards business, then um, you are probably going to handle this a whole lot better than all the people who don't, because as a business person, you face doubt and uncertainty every day. And you're actually used to it. And I'm pretty sure that the conversations that you and Prue have are discussions rather than panic. And I certainly know that for Mary and I um, and, and the other people in our business, um, there is a degree of not panic. There's a sense we need to do something. Uh, we're kind of fortunate. Our business has gone digital. Our daughter propelled us in that direction about four or five years ago. And so our business is pretty much business as usual because we're delivering over the net, and we have been for quite some time. So, you know, you can expect many businesses to go in that direction now because they've been pushed instead of they made that decision. So what it means is that for Mary and I and our team, we're, we're not panicking, we're just kind of thinking, well, how do we change direction to meet the needs of people out there at the moment, bearing in mind that a lot of those people don't even know what they need. And, you know, the panic buyers, so to speak, you know, interestingly enough, have been just buying up whatever they can get a hold of that they think might be the next thing. So once they bought up all the toilet rolls and filled up all their wardrobes with toilet rolls, then they th- they thought, what, what next? That panic kind of urgency says, what next? And they grabbed all the canned food, filled up their garden sheds with that, and then said, what next? And thought, shit, meat. So they raced down to Harvey Norma's, bought a freezer, filled it full of three years' worth of supply of mincemeat, and then they go, what next? And so, you know, they're just kind of raiding the, raiding the territory, so to speak, just scooping up whatever they can get their hands on because they can't actually think strategically.
0: I yeah, think that, that, makes, are- that, that makes a lot of sense. I suppose, you're quite right. Our audience are, are, are entrepreneurially inclined. Either they've got a business, possibly a franchise, or they're, they're looking to get a business. Um, so they face fear as much as, you know, the 10% of people who do go into business sometime in their lives I've actually faced that because they're all at that point they had that uncertainty that you're talking about shared with that teacher in the quadrangle. You know, what am I going to do? And people ask them, don't they? Their neighbours, their family, the people over the fence. How are you going to do it? You know, you're in business. You're going to go broke. You won't be successful. Nobody else has done it. I guess that's what people are having a a double whammy of that now and saying, "Crikey, I've got a I've got a restaurant." My customers aren't coming in Um, what's going to happen to me how am i going to survive
1: yeah you know it's a funny thing i think if you can if we go back to the very first thing i said um if we can just pull back from participating in the in the what's going what am i going to do and have more rational discussions with the people who are close to us we will come up with these ideas there's a there's a pizza place near us which has a, you know it's it's a nice solid business that's opened has been for 20 years it's been open 3 days a week so I presume that that's um Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday so um that you know it's a family business um it's it, it's a small business it's kind of like but you know they make good pieces etc So um, what they did was that when they realised that people were not going out and they weren't sitting in the pizza place eating the pizzas, obviously their first thing was delivery. Um, But they sat back and thought, how do we enhance this? And they put a drive-through into their pizza place. Fortunately, they had a bit of spare backyard. So they actually got the bulldozer in and put a drive-through attached to the building and said, ring up your orders and... um, when when you come to pick them up um just press the button on your boost, boot release and we will put your food in the boot of your car and you don't even have to wind your window down wow. and away they went well that that went so gangbusters that they had to put a thing on their facebook page saying could you stop ordering for the next hour and a half because we're an hour and a half behind in terms of whatever and there's a queue of cars out through the drive-through uh, because we're struggling to keep up the next thing that happened to them was they ran out of ingredients they recruited family members, they sorted all of that out and now when you go to get your pizza, you can also get a box of fruit and veggies, uh, you can get some meat, you can get all the staples, they're basically doing a mini Woolworths and they're, and they're doing it through their drive-through and of course the big problem is they're looking for people to come and work for them because I can't keep up with demand. So. You know that they thought of that by sitting back and going, okay, how do, I make, how do we make ourselves more relevant? How how do we? You know, it's a traditional business problem: is where is the problem that our customers are experiencing? What is the problem our customers are experiencing? And how do we provide a solution? Any business is based on that concept of what is the problem or the you know the the experience that our customers are having that we can provide a solution for and that they're willing to pay us for it. And, you know, if we can sit back and have those conversations with the people who are close to us, we're going to come up with a bunch of data ideas and a bunch of things that would never work. But sooner or later, we're going to hit on one that makes sense. And uh, we can take that to the market, see how we go with it. And we can probably keep our investment to a minimum because... You know, if you're going to do some marketing now, then it's probably going to be all internet-based. Um, I've been watching the TV. I haven't been listening to the radio, but uh, the TV, the the advertising hasn't backed off. I'm interested in some of the people who have um, who have changed. For example, the um, ambulance chaser lawyers—they've backed off on their advertising. I presume that's because you know there's a lot less people driving around getting into smashes, or that, or there's a lot less chance that people are going to come in to see the lawyer about a case against you know for injury or, or, or whatever it is uh, but many other businesses still that I see you know a lot of familiar ads on the TV meanwhile okay. you know I, I see other pivots mate that are quite interesting I've got a friend who um, has a fairly large business um, and they they supply art supplies to retailers and You know, they've got to go out and convince retailers to take their stock. So they've got a sales team on the ground, all of that, blah, blah, blah. Um, They do a couple of million dollars a month. So, you know, significant size business, um, employs 40 or 50 people. Um, They're up 40% at the moment because one of the things that people are buying like crazy is stuff to use with the kids at home, which is art and craft. Interesting. they had IGA ring them up and say, "Um, listen, can we get some art supplies? Because we've got all these empty shelves. We've got people coming in looking for, you know, bread and meat and all the staples. We don't have much of that kind of stuff, but we've got loads of shelf space. Can you give us some of your art supplies and we'll see how they go? And of course, they're rocketing off the shelves. And so, you know, the people that I applaud are actually IGA because... There they are with their empty shells saying, okay, well, we've got empty shells. We can't get more stock, even though we, would, we can sell it hand over fist, we can't get it. Um, we were in Coles the other day, and um, the girl in the meat section told my wife, Mary, that they are doing, they're turning over two weeks' worth of meat every hour. So wow. you, know, you, you could reasonably expect that there's not much room to move in the meat field uh, because people are buying it up so quick. So, the IGA dudes, I think, are the smart cookies because they said, okay, we've got all these empty shelves. What can we put in there? We'll give it a go. You know, they're investing money to buy that stock, uh, but they probably have the money because, you know, somebody emptied those shelves, mate. The money is there somewhere. And that's what I think I see out there in our culture is that the money's still out there because Bunnings have just restocked with massive amounts of home exercise equipment. Apparently, it's going out the door so fast that they've had to limit it to one item per customer. And that's because, you know, part of the government message is, you know, stay fit. What a beautiful message, by the way. However, um, there's... Bunnings have pivoted and said, okay, well, we're selling plenty of home, home do it stuff because plenty of people are going, okay, I'm stuck at home. I'll, I'll finish off that reno I started or we'll start a reno or whatever. But they're also going, okay, we'll, we'll grab an exercise bike and that kind of stuff. And I think to myself, you know, it might be just my casual observation. I think, you know, where the people, where the population see the value, they're still spending the money. They're just spending yeah. on exercise bikes and, you know, stuff that we don't, you know. Who, who would have thought Bunnings um, were w- would be stocking exercise gear? Of course, Bunnings are knocking on the door of my friends with the art supplies as well, saying, hey, can we get some art supplies? You know, th- there are there are problems mm-hmm. in this because my mate with the art supplies has now got problems getting stuff out of China. Um So, you know, just just when his business is going through the roof, uh, the supply part of it falls apart. So, um, you know, they're they're looking at what they can do air freight wise and, you know, things that are light and cheap and all that.
0: I I think that those those are great examples. It just goes to show how flexible people can be. I think perhaps I'm thinking for the direction where we are today is people are listening here saying, well, I've done a couple of things in my business, you know, but I've got I've got to re- rethink the long term because, you know, end of the year, whenever it might be, um, I'm going to have to maybe reshape my business. And there are others out there who are saying, that's all fine. You know, Bunnings had an answer and IGA had an answer, but I haven't got one. Um, I mean, yeah. can you give tips, I suppose, sort of mindset tips to people to to get themselves into that position where they've got that core sort of strength to be able to feel yeah. grounded and, and, and consider moving forward I suppose not logically and appropriately
1: yeah um, the the trick here is to go back to where we started and and steer away from business if I was to continue to give you business examples then lots of people on this call are gonna go yeah but I can't do that it, even though everybody's got an oven and you could be cooking food and selling it but let's put that aside for a second the when we end up in times of trouble and crisis like this, what happens is all of the things that tell us who we are get taken away. So 35 years ago, when my wife Mary fell pregnant with our first child, when the time was appropriate, she stopped being a school teacher, She came home and within a couple of weeks, she was going around the twist because she had nothing to do. Pardon me. The baby hadn't been born yet. She had nothing to do. She was bored. And she said to me one day, she said, I don't feel like I do anything worthwhile so that was within a couple of weeks that's the first phase of what's going to happen to people is that we're all going to be wandering around panicking about what we can do to earn some income but also not getting the the brownie points that we get from doing our normal days work Uh, because you know if I go and do a day's work and it's hard and it's honest I may not have made a fortune but at least I can feel good about the effort that I put in so the You know, one of the things that's working for me at the moment is we're at our farmhouse down in um, country New South Wales, um, which is an excellent place to self-isolate, you know, 250 acres, all that. And I'm spending the time doing a reno, you know, because... Um, we'll do some stuff, you know, we've worked out how to do our business in in about two weeks out of every four. So I've got a bit of time. So that's what I'm doing. So I feel good at the end of the day. And I feel like I deserve the beer. When I sit down at the end of the day and have the beer, I start to think about what can we do to make sure our businesses supplies their income will work well. And those are business ideas, but they're the wrong place to start. What happens when we end up in a place where we can't, get our normal bearings because we're not going to work each day, we're not associating with the people we normally associate with, we're not having the normal conversations and we're isolated as well, then we end up in an unknown territory. So it's a little bit like walking through a forest without a compass. If you, if you don't have a compass, then you don't know which way to kind of head through the forest. Um, with a compass, you can go, okay, now that we worked out where north is, then we can work out all the other directions and we can make a decision about where we want to go. And using that compass, we can kind of check our progress periodically and we can get ourselves to the other side. What happens is that we lose our moral compass. In times of crisis, our, our compass um, goes away because it's normally external. So, you know, I've got great concerns for my mum who's 92 years old. Uh, So I'm on the phone every day to my sister or it's video actually and Zoom calls to my sister and my mum. And we're having conversations that are family orientated and about how mum is coping with being cooped up. And that keeps me in the normal loop, so to speak. In other words, my life is a little bit normal because of that. And it's the first thing we've got to do is keep our lives as normal as we can. And that means reaching out, because normally I would bump into my mum and my sister once a week. So um, given that that's not happening, then we need to be doing that. that. That returns some of the normal. So what I'm saying is going to work each day is part of normal, but it's all external. What I mean by your moral compass is your internal um, guiding mechanism, which is your values. And so what we have to do is go, we have to go inside and say, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? What is important to me? Because those things need to be brought to the fore in whatever it is that we're doing, because otherwise we just end up like a rabble, doing whatever we have to do to put a buck on the table or put a meal on the table, and we end up behaving badly. When we get to the other side of this, we're going to look back and we're going to judge our behaviour based on whether we thought we behave well or we behaved badly. We will, of course, justify the bad behaviour in it, saying we had no other opportunities, etc. cetera. Um, but most of us, if we think deeply about this, we don't just want to get through this, uh, because we scrabbled around and we kind of, you know, raked in a few dollars here and a few dollars there and we kind of survived somehow. Um, most of us want to be a force for good. And that's why I refer to, you know, the volunteer bushfire brigade and the SES guys who were everywhere in the floods. Is, it, is that it, how we survive is, is important to surviving. Of course, if you've got no idea how you're going to bring the next dollar in, then your focus is almost completely on that. And but it makes us desperate, and when we're desperate, we're just not good business people. We' just we're just not thinking like those people you know like the IGA people thinking, what can we put on the shelves or like the pizza place people with how do we be of service to our regular customers? you know when when that pizza place, when we come out the other side of this thing, that pizza place is going to be absolutely knocked over with new customers because the good feelings that people have about that pizza place during the crisis, are going to continue in the normal times. The same thing with my business. We're doing as much as we can for free. And that's the reason why um, you've got those videos that um, you've sent out to all of your listeners. Those videos I made, we're making them available to people without any opt-in, without any exchange of details, without registering, without any of that. We're just saying, look, we know a little bit about this crisis stuff, so here's what we know in a package for you to use for you and your people because what we realize is one of the best things we can do at the moment is build audience because if I can't make a buck at least I could make a difference because making a difference matters to me so for many years one of the things that's driven me you know I'm 68 years old I think and I should be retired but one of the things that has driven me is a desire to make a difference to the world and the people that I meet and the planet that I live on so I'm much happier working than retired and when I'm working, I'm working to, you know, traditionally my field in mindset is about helping people with, you know, get, get a better mindset so they can get better results in their life. So those videos are some of the best stuff that I've got because I figure, well, now's a time when our country needs it. Now's a time when people need to not have to worry about paying for that. But what I'm doing is I'm saying to myself, I'm doing that because it fits in my values. And If I I act according to my values, instead of being triggered by the circumstances around me, then I can be pretty sure that I'm going to be happy with how I behaved when when we all get to the other side and look back on it. It's also, I think, a preparation thing because there isn't any doubt we're going to come out the other side and we're going to get in reasonable shape you know the funny thing is, is when you look at the people who are panicking they're actually they actually fear dying when well, we're not going to die we, you know we, we the the interesting thing about this is that australia produces about 3 times as much food as it consumes in other words we export something like 66% of what we produce food wise so the people running around taking stuff off the shelves just got no idea of the actual facts of the situation and the farmers can't stop next next um, spring's um, arrival of all the lambs Um, unless they don't go and plant then the crops are going to come up so as long as the farmers keep doing their thing and you can rest assured the government's going to supply petrol and whatever they need for the logistics chain to put that stuff in the supermarkets then we're all just going to stay at home and eat and watch movies and come out the other side so the panic is actually a bit overrated What we've got to do is we've got to say to ourselves, when I feel the panic, I need to talk to someone who's in my normal group because my friends who, you know, by myself, I can scale this disaster up into something that I can imagine that's just terrible. But as soon as I talk to my friends, they talk me back off the edge. And I think that that's really important is that we look at our own values and say, whatever I do to put a buck on the table, how do I do that with dignity, dignity and with grace and with um, thought and care for others as well as myself? How do I make a buck and, and do it in an honest and forthright kind of a way? Um, how, how, do I, how do I stay in contact with my normal group of people who keeps my mind sharp? So let me kind of wrap that idea with this concept here. People have been studying mega data for years, you know, since the advent of artificial intelligence and that kind of thing. One of the things that we're starting to notice is every now and then some, some propeller head in a dark room compares some set of data with another set of data and comes up with a piece of insight. So about two years ago, some, you know, one of, one of these, you know, brains on a stick is fiddling around with mega data and isolates the fact that this, this, is, this happens in the UK, they isolate like the fact that people who pay off their mortgage um, early are also people who own hybrid cars. So one of the banks gets a hold of this and says, hey, people with hybrid cars, pay off their, they pay extra on their mortgage. We get our money back quicker. So they came out and they made a special deal, a special offer. If you could prove ownership of a hybrid motor car, you've got a break on your mortgage, you know, come to our bank and set up your mortgage new, but we'll give you a honeymoon rate kind of thing. So that's the kind of thing that um, megadata can tell us. You know, useless information unless you're a bank. But one of the mega data studies that's made a big difference to my life and the life of everyone I could tell about it is that they started looking at people who live to be 100 and asking themselves what it is that they have in common. And these are people who live to be 100 years old and they've got their marbles. In other words, they haven't got dementia and they're still fit and they're walking around. And what they found is that what these 100-year-old people from countries all spread all around the world uh, is that these people have large groups of warm, um, nurturing relationships. Even at 100, they are still powerfully connected to a big group of people who care about them and that they care about the the people that they're talking about. So when you think about it, if having a warm, supportive, nurturing group of people to connect with is the thing that makes people live to be 100, it's probably the thing that's going to get us out of this crisis as well. So if, so, if you're in business
0: and you're, sorry? you've sorry, if you're in business and you've gone through understanding that situation, and you're then looking to the future. You need to secure yourself step by step by having those that 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 group of listeners or friends there. So you've got a, a forum to regularly share your thoughts and your feelings and so forth. Is that the essence of, of really getting yourself that emotional? intelligence or agility that you're talking about
1: that is the essence of it it comes down to this apparently we just go better in other words there is less stress and there is less drama when we have these groups of people that we can you know share our troubles with but also share our victories and like have a normal relationship with but these are people that we care about and we know that they care about us so typically if they were struggling you would have their kids come and live with you for six months while, you know, they got through a tough time. Or you might lend each other money or you might, um, you you know, do something for each other which had significant cost in terms of time or value. You know, you might um, jump in your car and drive them 500 clicks because their car was broken or something. Or basically you just spend time together because you enjoy each other's company.
0: In Australia. So, people you really empathise with, so that you've got a connection.
1: These people that you're connected to, and Mm. the operative word is people that you care about, and you know that they care about you. Doesn't mean that, you know, like my best friend calls me a bastard. You know, like when we talk on the phone, he goes, How are you going, you silly bastard, down there in the farm, hiding from everybody. And, you know, our conversations are um, typically Australian in terms of calling each other silly and Well, we use swear words to call each other things, but I think you get the general idea. I know that that guy, I don't know if he'd take a bullet for me, but he'd think about it, and that's really all I care about. So, um, you know, we spend time together. We we laugh and all that sort of stuff when times are sad, when we have difficult times, you know. Many a time um, I've been in tears and he's just sat with me while I was and vice versa. And many a time we've laughed ourselves silly and our faces are going to fall off. So these are, you know, relationships that you build over a long period of time. And um, they actually turn out to be what, you, what you're left with. Because if you look at what we've got at the moment, most people are pretty short on money. Uh, they're pretty short on work, uh, which is related to the money. They're pretty short on adventure because they're staying at home um if you if if you said you know are you wealthy i'd say don't worry about the money somehow or other we will muddle our way through all of this um and worrying about it actually doesn't put money on the table anyway so um don't worry about the money worry about the things that you really wanted to be wealthy in and i think if you're wealthy in health if you're wealthy in friendship then mate you are wealthy almost beyond description and um You know, the other stuff is actually small potatoes. And if you can keep it small potatoes, you can solve it. You can figure it out because, you know, um, there are, we will find ways to solve these things. Like I said, business people understand you might have to try three or four things that don't work to find something that does. But what I'd say to everybody on this call is if you're considering franchising, then, what you've got to do is use the time you've got now to get your shit in a sock, you know, like get, start getting paperwork organized, start doing the stuff that you haven't had time for, start doing the stuff that, you know, you're, you know, it's in the too hard box um, because there is no doubt we'll come out the other side of this on a ricochet. You know, the people in property that I talk to, you know, I've got a few customers who or clients who've got big property businesses and they're all saying that the pullback on property prices now is like an elastic band and that when we get out the other side and interest rates are as low as they are, the governments are not going to be able to jack them up too quickly because they need for the economy to get a run on and property is just going to you know, be like a rocket ship. So they're all getting themselves prepared for that. They're kind of looking to finish off projects and they're kind of looking to pull back and they're looking at where where things are going to go hot in the future. And that means that they're getting their, their, un, their undone, you know, that box, that, that file of stuff that you never want to touch because, you know, like for me, paperwork is kind of like, you know, I'd rather stick needles in my eyes and do paperwork. Now's the time to be doing that because if, if, you're, if you have been thinking about franchising, um, it's going to go so quick on the other side of this thing that it'll escape before you can get a grip on it. And then you'll be working from behind. And that's, you know, at that point, you're going to be saying to yourself, why did not I take the time when I had a bit of time to get ready? So I would say to everybody, hang on to your dream. It's just kind of got a delay factor on it. We don't know how long the delay factor is. um, But, you know, obviously, um, things will come good at some point. Either that or we're all dead and we won't have to worry about it.
0: So I suppose i will just summarise a few key points I've been abstracting there from what you're saying, Paul, and by all means comment or, or, or uh, accordingly. So I was at, you know, number one is recognising it's not the end of the world. Um, and that that comment of yours, if you're lost in the forest, if you're isolated, you need bearing. So that's where you need to make sure you've got that group of people or quickly put it together so you can have a chat on the phone, on Zoom, whatever, um, just as you do with your family. Um, and then on your own self is recognising your values. So just going back to what's the best me? Who am I really? What are, what's my goals? And, and the other thing I took from you was this business of, of helping others so that that gives you that good feeling. So at the end of the day, you do feel good. You can have that beer and look back and say, well, tick those boxes today um, and feel happy about it as opposed to hitting the sack, um, worried, you know, worried beside yourself sort of thing. Yes,
1: mate. I think that um if we go back to where I started um, yep. we 've got to stop ourselves going into panic um we've got to we've got to get a lid on the fear. The easiest way to do that is to talk to someone who who knows you just need to talk um, it, you know it it at one level, this is scary shit man we haven't been through it before um, but being scared doesn't actually produce good solutions. So we need to be able to talk the fear out so that it doesn't run up and ruin our behaviour and ruin our thinking process. Having, If you can manage to do that and if you keep your normal connections in life running, then you'll start talking sense to yourself. And, you know, there may be no solution to this thing. You know, maybe we're, you know, maybe the whole world is just going to, Come to a grinding standstill um, at this stage at the moment you know it's come ad- come enough to a standstill that it's replicating the 1950s we've got people at home with their children and maybe one other person going out to work or both parents at home and their children and whatever but we're not starving to death at this point uh, so you know what you do at this point uh, should be governed by your own values because that's what gives meaning to our life and um, You know, there is a bit of time to think about what do I do if we come out the other side and things get get good again, what do I do? And I'd say one thing that most people have not thought about is that we're in this predicament because we didn't prepare for it. It's absolutely ridiculous that um, the airlines all didn't have a bank of cash that they could lean on uh, because they didn't make themselves profitable enough to, uh, to have a war chest pile of money. Neither did the government, because and they're just as culpable. What you'll see is that, you know, one of the things that we should take into the future is this idea that it would be a bloody smart move to, as we go forward in life, to pull enough money aside out of our operations to build war chests so that we don't end up in situations like this again. Because, you know, I'm not saying hoard food or any of that kind of stuff, but um, a lot of the world was caught cash strapped and that's contributed to a lot of the problems uh because now the the governments are going to have to print money to get us out of it all of that sort of stuff there there's solutions beyond us you know the I'm i think that we don't we you know if you look at um what happened in the us and even in australia about um five years ago the government got a bunch of people to Figure out what would happen in a pandemic and make a bunch of recommendations, and that that document has been available for, for the last four years, and not one government of either persuasion has acted on the recommendations in that document, uh, and so they were caught shorthanded. That's just um, reprehensible. Um, when you think about exactly the same thing happened in the U.S., um, the government in the the government of the day in the U.S., without me mentioning any names. Has comprehensively raped and plundered all of the reserves that was built up by the previous government, uh, and so caught shorthanded. Meanwhile, a few smart cookies have got in and said, "Okay, here it goes." So they've, you know, some somebody shipped 82 tons of face masks stuff to China from Australia about four weeks ago. Fortunately, somebody's caught them and they're going to go to jail. But you know, talk about lack of forethought. So we need to be thinking ahead and saying to ourselves, how do we make sure we don't end up in this position again? And I'd suggest that probably the most important thing that anyone could do for themselves at the moment is get fit. Because the fitter we get, then the more resistant you are to whatever is the next version of this thing. Because I don't think that we're going to be pandemic-free in the future. Um, So, you know... I know that you run most days uh, and that a significant amount of territory that you cover. Um, I spend a lot of time in the gym five days out of seven. I'm in there for an hour pounding away on a machine that replicates running. How come? Because I'm old enough to know that the one thing that's going to keep me together is how fit I am in the future. So if you're at home at the moment and you can't figure out how to make a buck, well get on a bloody bike and figure out how to make a buck. Because if you don't get an answer to how to make a buck, at least you'll get fit. And I'm going to suggest that that's one of the things you'll value more than anything as time goes on. Does that make sense?
0: Uh, oh, absolutely. Look, and I find it a form of meditation and I think other people will who don't do it who do it, you know, just regular exercise. So, um, I think what we're saying is very clearly the point you're making, we should all take note of for the future, irrespective of where we are, what we do, et cetera, et cetera, is just make sure we do do what our grandparents told us we used to do, put some yep. money in the money box for a rainy day. And yeah. uh, then we're not dependent on handouts and other things that happen. So, look, yeah. um, this is Paul Blackburn I've been speaking to from Global Success Academy. Um, you can go to his website. Um, where well, I'm sure you'll find interesting information. If you would like a copy of the videos that Paul mentioned, um, they're only about 25 minutes long, a half an hour, a really valuable content, just drop me a note and you know where to get me and I'll certainly send them out to you. So uh, just wrapping up, Paul, was there anything you'd like to add as a closing point? Yes, mate, I think that um,
1: you have to hang on to your rituals. So whatever, keep, you, know, whatever you do to keep your mind in shape, you know, for those who've got a faith, well, I'm, I'd say keep up your prayers, um, keep reading your, your spiritual works, those kind of things. Keep up your rituals. If you go to the gym, we'll find another way. You're not allowed to go to the gym at the night. Find another way. The rituals are what make meaning in our life, and are what are going to create a bit of sensibility about it. But I think that as part of everybody's ritual, the two big things that are going to make a massive difference: is learning to meditate. If you pray, well, that's fine. They, on, on the biofeedback machines, I can't tell the difference between prayer and meditation. So now is an excellent time. There's heaps of um, information you could get off us about how to meditate if you wanted to. Um, and the other thing is mindfulness. So, you know, if you're, mindfulness is a bit of a buzzword, but it really delivers in terms of, um, deli- both mindfulness and meditation deliver in terms of keeping your mindset together. To me. Um, they are um, almost indispensable everybody that I've worked with that I've taught this stuff to over the last 35 years has had a dramatic increase in their performance levels so that's from Olympic athletes to people who own mega businesses every single one of them says meditation and mindfulness are the things that made the big difference Paul so um, that would be my final recommendation if it works for the people who have been using it the last 35 years, in fact, with meditation for the last 10,000 years, then it's gonna work for you too.
0: Excellent, excellent words of wisdom. And uh, I I must say, thanks to Paul, a number of years ago, I put a ritual in every day, I do the same process, and part of it is a a 10 minute meditation, which I actually got off of ABC Classic Flow on the radio. They've got some wonderful little short ones. So there's no shortage of material out there. Paul, thanks very much indeed. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you found this helpful. And look forward to keeping in touch with you. And uh, inner strength, go to your values. And look forward to catching up again when things start moving forward. Thanks very much indeed, everyone. Bye. Good luck to everyone.